Welcome to the Calming Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Minton, psychotherapist and mindfulness coach. This podcast is designed to offer you inspiration, wisdom, and actionable steps to support you to nurture your inner light. I had the great pleasure of interviewing Jean Sutton. I met Jean during a training program for Gestalt Therapy in Cleveland, Ohio, many years ago. And I absolutely loved the way she brought ritual into our training program. It was amazing. So I invited Jean, a retired minister and counselor, to interview with me to speak about her experience of ritual and taking the mundane in life and infusing it with aliveness and meaning. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Jean, I am curious if you can speak to a little bit how kind of ritual, how your connection with rituals came about? Sort of how did rituals become such a important, have such an important place in your life? I grew up in a small community in a Presbyterian church. We went religiously to church. Our best friends were the minister, his wife and their family. And the daughter, um, Julie, was my best friend. And I, I was just born with an immediate love of ritual of being in the church. I can remember so many things in the church that just spoke to me and just the quietness and the simple words of ritual that sort of brought about this spiritual element that doesn't come in in the preaching or sometimes not even in the singing. It's just a simple thing that just spoke to my heart like nothing else did. So uh, I grew up in a small in a church. I had a lot of good friends, coaches, mentors that sort of led me um, along this path. And eventually, I, I became an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church, thinking that might be a way for me to bring in some ritual. And, and it did. I did that for a while, and then I also became a licensed professional counselor. And that's sort of where. Uh, I did some rituals with some of my clients, um, and that's where I felt like some of the healing came in the rituals, and that's where sort of they went together. The healing part and the spiritual part combined for me. Mm. In, in, in your work in the, as a counselor, that's where it combined? Yeah, that's when I finally felt like it could come together. There was one moment when uh, I had a, a couple that um, had been through a lot. And they weren't sure if they were going to stay together. They eventually decided to. And um, I was able to consecrate their marriage again in a ritual in my office. And to me, that's healing. And it's the spirit coming in all in one place. Um, and that's where I felt at home. So when you think about that word or the concept of ritual, what comes up? What are rituals? There are lots of kinds of rituals. For me, the particular kind I like to practice is uh, tangible objects in our world, using those to connect with the sacred part of our world. So there's a way to connect with that holiness in the world, in me, in the trees, by using objects in our everyday world. They symbolize things, but they also, to me, bring some of that sacred in a tangible form. But sometimes the sacred's hard to define, and it's hard to touch, and it's hard to connect with. But those objects and the way I move them and how I sit with them, uh, with a can, I have a candle burning right now. Um, I have special beads on my wrist. Those things give me some comfort in the sacred world, and they put me in touch with it. So it's kind of moving objects, 
um, sitting with a candle, stacking some rocks, and understanding the symbolism of what that is. And this blue candle that's in my office right now um, has followed me through several rituals and become um, sort of a, a, a piece that speaks to me a lot. So I was in the Gestalt like training program with you, right? And one of the, I guess, most striking memories I have has to do with some of the rituals that you invited us to participate yeah, and guided us in there. And one of the things that I noticed in my experience of, of being part of that with you is that it seemed like, okay, so there's the object, but then also there's this, there's the presence that you, there's something that happens in the presence that you brought or you bring that brings that in, into like an aliveness in a different way. And do you, does that resonate with you? Yes. Yes. Um, one of the rituals we did was we each chose a bead and then we passed it around the circle and each of us held the Elizabeth bead, the Jean bead, the whoever bead. And to me, it's not just a symbol and it's not just passing a bead. That bead holds in it the sacredness of Elizabeth, the sacredness of Jean. So when I held that bead and we passed it around, I was holding Elizabeth and passing her around. And I got to touch Elizabeth by touching the bead and you got to touch me. So I felt the blessings when people passed my bead. And I believe that you all felt the blessings when your bead was passed around. So I believe something really sacred happens in ritual. And it's a presence that comes through the objects and through our actions with those objects. And it brings this sacred world, this holiness to everything we do. And I believe that. And so that's the presence that I bring to the ritual. It's not just a symbolic thing. Real things happen there. And it's, and there's two things that are coming up for me as I hear you. One is that there's sort of an intention. So maybe a focused energy around that, for example, in that, in that story, the bead as, as much more than just a bead, right? Exactly what you're describing. Right. Right. And then the other piece that I love is the idea that there can be the sacred and the mundane on some level that a bead can become infused with on some level spirit or a candle, right? That, and I don't know, I mean, that seems like that might be a really important piece to using these objects too, is the way that they kind of bring, bring the spirit into the mundane. I don't know if that speaks to you at all. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. It, I've spent a lot of time in my life judging myself, pushing myself, um, being critical of myself, and doing things that I, I was felt guilty about or didn't like about myself. And in all of those, there was holiness and there's sacredness. And that's part of what I want people to know is that there is holiness in every aspect of your life, not just in when you do good and, and you feel spiritual and happy. In those dark times, I can light a candle and just feel a presence. It doesn't mean the dark's gone. It means that the candle's blessing the dark. The candle's bringing the holy into the dark. I may still have darkness, but the light shines in that darkness. So there's holiness in the darkness too. It's, it's everywhere in all of us. Okay. So it sounds like you have brought this ritual, this, this sacredness to your work in the Presbyterian church. And then also in your practice as a counselor, as, as a therapist. And I'm wondering, oftentimes I think that our journey toward bringing something so important and special to us into the lives of others comes from our own experience with struggle and finding some healing there or some home there. And I'm wondering um, if you would be okay speaking to what's your journey been, you know, like in terms of 
how you mentioned growing up in in the Presbyterian Church. How has this kind of led you into where you are now? So the one place I didn't say that I used my ritual, which is probably where and why it began, is I had children. Um, I had two sons. Raising children was hard. I loved it. It was what I wanted to do, but it was hard knowing what to do when I needed help. So that's basically when I started uh, probably doing ritual. I would sneak into my kids' beds at night when they were little, after they were asleep, and I would put a little cross on their forehead or a circle or something and just bless them and blow a little holy wind towards them. My oldest son would get up when he was supposed to be in bed, and I'd be out praying with my candle. And if he could be quiet, I'd say, you can join me. And he would sit in my lap. And I would do my meditation and he would eventually fall asleep. Um, so ritual started as a way to help me be with my family in the best way I could be. To bring the, That's what I wanted to pass on to them, is I wanted them to have the spirit with them and to know that holiness is part of them. And so I, I started by helping my family um, start do that. Um, Sometimes regularly, sometimes not. We would build a, a moving altar when they would move grades because they're leaving something and they're stepping into something. And I don't know exactly what it is. The spirit does. So they would run around the house and grab items and make a little altar. And then they could move it and move the Lego man closer to the cape or the house farther from the rock or whatever it might be. They didn't know exactly what they're doing. I didn't know exactly what they were doing. But there was this recognition and honor of the sacredness and spirit in them and in that household and in the change. So that's sort of where it started. And um, I had my kids right when I started um, ministering with my husband in a church. Um, so I also did, uh, we started a second service. So I added in just some fun things that weren't normal rituals you would see in a church where they could step up and grab a cloth and talk about their burdens or their scares or whatever it is, and then lay it um, on the altar. So I would do different things like that in the worship services because I felt like it sort of opened a different door. We all know what communion is and baptism. Those are our basic rituals, and we love them. But there's other ways to get into the sacred. Um, in addition to those. So I would just introduce a different ritual to them or a, a new way of thinking about something just by stepping in with, we stacked rocks together, you know, those kinds of things. What is different, if anything, it may or may not be different when you're working with somebody who's maybe not part of a church or struggles with church and, and organized religion? How, how do you invite or welcome ritual then? I do ritual with my extended family every time we get together. Sometimes they ask for it now. When's the ritual? And it melts my heart. <laughs> they're so supportive, but they're not all Christian. Um, they're all different things. So I don't necessarily use God language um, when I do it. Uh, I think we all know we're in the presence of sacred. So that's what we call it. sacred family togetherness, the spirit that is in this room. So we get together and we do a writ one time we lit candles, put them in a bowl and watched them float around. That was the year after my dad died. Um, and we watched them float around and talked about sort of our own struggles to find the light and where we had found the light. It wasn't where God had shown us the light. That might be the implication. It might not because everybody had different beliefs. Um, and sometimes I'll do a blessing, but it's a blessing from me or it's a blessing from one person to another, which I feel like is just as sacred as saying, may God bless you. I bless you. It, that's just as important. So the, the candles float around and I thought, oh, everybody's forgotten. That was a great ritual. And then all of a sudden, um, my niece came up to me and she said, Jean, come here, come here. So what? She goes, oh, the candles, they're all going together. And they had all melted into like one big section of lighted candles that were floating around in the bowl. And I could tell 
that was significant to her. I didn't need to interpret it. She already knew it was significant. And that was the sacred peeking out from under the cloud or under the darkness or whatever. But we didn't name it God. We didn't name it anything but that sacred, significant, meaningful experience. As I imagine that, I'm imagining kind of the going into it, the lighting of the candles that are floating around. And then my story goes, and this is just my imagination at this point, that it would be hard not to drop down into like a different level of presence as you're watching these candles and you're just holding space together. That it almost invites a different level of being or a quality of being. Is that what you find? That's part of what Gestalt gave me in my life was I always do an embodiment before we begin when I'm doing a ritual, whether it's with myself or with a couple people or with the family. There's a dropping in element because we have to be present, not only to ourselves and one another, but to the sacred. So just getting in touch with our sensations, our feelings, our thoughts, our discomfort is what I start with. When we uh, uh, just recently I had, we said goodbye to a family home and we did a ritual and I started it with getting in touch with the land that we had all grown up on. And so we had our feet on the ground and it was just sort of a quiet entrance to, can we breathe this land into ourselves? Can we breathe this center of where we grew up into ourselves for a minute? Can we just be here? And then we did the ritual. So you're definitely right. There has to be a sense of where am I in myself and where am I in this world to start the ritual? It doesn't have to be a big, I mean, it can be, I'm, I'm in the living room with my family and I can feel my size. And so it also sounds like there's this element of a pause in the ritual or the slowing down and almost being with, for example, the goodbye of the, of the childhood home. You know, that was one of my favorite rituals to plan. And it is the most recent one I did. It touches me quite deeply. It was um, myself, my sister, older sister, my younger brother and his wife, Rhonda. And my sister, my brother and I are the three left of the six that were original family. And um, my mother just died in May. So she lived in the house and we were the we were clearing out the house. Almost everything was cleared out. It was probably our last time to be there. So it was Labor Day and I had a stand around um, the snack bar that we'd all eaten off of and known all of our lives. And we were sort of in the north, south, east, west, four different corners, but we were right around the snack bar. And I had, um, I did a little research. The land there was called Loam. Um, because it had gravel and clay and sand in it. So I had these little containers, one of gravel, one of sand, one of clay, and one of dirt, and um, a big bowl in the center. And we each took time to name the gravelly parts of growing up there, the gravelly, difficult, hard times, and we placed the gravel into the bowl. And then I had somebody empty the ones that were unnamed into the bowl. And then we did the sand, which was the smooth, joyful, and we shared stories. And my brother and I were um, close growing up. I kind of liked to parent him. He said he liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But he said just having those times, we would go, we played on our cement slab over and over. So he mentioned those fun times, um, which just touched my heart. And then we did the clay um, times and we would pick pieces of clay. And that was sort of the ones that formed us that could be maybe not so good or good or just things that sort of challenged us. And then I had an extra one of dirt, which is what just plain old dirt. And I, I said, these are the things that we want to carry from here because we're saying goodbye to the home, but we're also taking something with us from this land and this place. So we each then put um, dirt into the big bowl um, and named those. 
And then I had each person stir it. So Rhonda would stir it. And um, then my sister Carol would give her a blessing. May you remember um, the heart of this land in you. And then I would stir it. My brother Hal would give me the blessing. May you um, remember the heart of this land and carry it with you. And then we got all done and we took the big bowl of loam um, that is very fertile. It's a, a farmland, so it's very fertile ground. So we took it out to the north, south, the east, and the west of the home and sprinkled it in the ground. And then we paused um, at the end and we have a blessing that we say, we said before meals our entire lives. And it starts with come. And that's how we always, that's how everybody kind of came to the table, come Lord Jesus. And so we, we start come and everybody said, come Lord Jesus. And we said the prayer while holding hands. And that was our saying goodbye. And my brother said, somebody said to me, what are you just going to shut the door and walk away? And he said, no, my, my, my sister will probably have a ritual. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he knows me. <laughs> so we did have this ritual. It, it was just honoring the place we'd been, honoring the sacred, taking what we could, protecting it for the next people, and having a goodbye that they're hard. This was a hard goodbye. It's, we're not going to stay there. We don't live there. It was a hard goodbye, but it, there was some holiness in it just by doing this. And the reason I know that is because about an hour later, we were in the home, my hometown um, because there was an alumni celebration and we don't usually go, but we went this year. So they had picnics set up in the Lake Park in a band. So we'd eaten our sloppy joes, our pork, pork sandwiches and our potato salad and all the picnic tables were set up. And uh, there was a band playing and they started playing. Um, I don't know if you know that song. I'm not a great singer, but Mrs. Robinson, which is from my generation. And my brother and uh, sister-in-law dance they go to clubs and they're great so they both jumped up and there was nobody on the floor just this little concrete slab in a band and they started dancing and my sister looked at, uh, at me and I looked at her and we shook our heads and I said anybody else want to dance I'm like no 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 so it was my sister and me dancing on one side and my brother and sister-in-law on the other side and we were just dancing I mean I I wanted to tell you what dance Hal and Rhonda were doing but I, I didn't even look at them. I was just in that place thinking, oh my God, there is joy here. And we just said goodbye. And it's making me teary. We just said goodbye to our family home. And I don't know how often we come back there. We grew up there and we were dancing and my sister was dancing and we were moving around each other and jumping up and down. I even lost my breath at one time. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dancing so hard. I, I, I am like running a marathon. Um, it was, it was just pure joy after going from pure, like, oh, and the sacredness of those two coming together was remarkable to me. I just knew the spirit was there and we had touched it. It was just beautiful. And that's, that's what everybody can do. I, I'm trying to write about how people can do this in simple, simple ways so that those things that you need to honor and, and um, the things you need to change and the changes that happen to you can have a, a sacred element to them. Ready to strengthen your self-care practice? I have a free guide for you to help you identify the areas in your life where you need the most replenishment. And learn the next steps you can take to feel more relaxed and restored. To get the guide, go to www.thecalmingground forward slash opt hyphen in. The link is in the show notes so that you can live the ease filled life you dream of. Yes. And, and I think about vacating a property, you know, like leaving not only a property, there's that piece, the structure, the land, and then it's really closing a chapter, right? And how depleting that can be moving, you know, moving out, even if it's not the home you're actively living in is so much work. And so this is where I come to the theme of this month, which is around vitality, energy, 
and how ritual connects us to that source, right? Source of vitality or replenishing energy. And so I hear that in this story that it sounds, and I'll check with you and see if this is true. It sounds like there's this experience that could be so depleting. And yet through that ritual, there was a connection to a different kind of energy that ultimately, you know, sends you dancing as right with, with all kinds of rigor and vitality. So I wonder if there's anything that's coming up for you that you, you could speak to around ritual and energy, ritual and vitality. I, I have this belief, I think I've probably had it since birth, that everything's holy. And our job is to create the openings so that the holiness can find us. And I think we created an opening at my house in Delavan. Illinois that day. And I think anybody can create an opening. It's not just me because I'm a minister or whatever. I think everybody needs those little openings where the energy can come in and the spirit can come in and we can have a visit from the holy. And it may be a tiny, tiny one, or it may be a big one. Who knows? But any kind of opening that allows that holiness and that energy to be with us, to me, is worth working at. And it doesn't have to be a lot of work, but just acknowledging, is there, you know, is there a, a holiness here? Is there an opening? Where is it? What could it be? Um, because the energy that came in that ritual flowed into the dance. And I, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't think, okay, we're going to, the end of the ritual is we are going to walk to the Lake Park and <laughs> dance to Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> so it just brought energy that I didn't even know was there. And that's what, that's part of what I love about rituals. I don't know everything that's going on. I like to be in control, but it's kind of nice to have these nice little surprises where that holy just finds that opening and, and reaches us. And gives us energy and vitality and allows us to keep moving forward in whatever. Because we left that house. And not that I didn't know that was going to happen someday, but it happened that day. And it was still hard. And I'm appreciating how it could have been that you said goodbye and that was that. And yet I wonder if by having that ritual, there's a sense of almost like that's a held experience differently. It has a different kind of maybe closure, different kind of transition. That's what it seems to me. It feels like, it, I don't have the right words for this. I've thought about it a lot. It feels like it somehow embeds itself. I'm going to say in our soul or in our being. And it has a place. Whereas if, if, it, if, we, if I don't always, don't do the ritual when I need to, sometimes it just floats around. Like I, I, I still have sadness about it and, and yet there's nowhere to anchor that. But if I have the ritual, I can anchor it there. And my sister asked me, what, maybe a week, at, maybe three or four or five weeks after the ritual, she goes, that ritual, I keep still thinking about it and there's something I need to know. Can you send it to me? Which I had a, copy of it. So I texted her a copy about a week ago, just so she could sit with it and remember the words. And, and I think it gives us life and it, it, there's some, it embeds itself in us so that we've kind of gone full circle with it. And it's the house isn't sold yet, but it, it's really not ours now. And I think we've gone full circle. We were born, grew up, visited my parents, enjoyed it, went home for Christmases sometimes. And now we said goodbye. And that's the, the full circle. We've met the full circle. So it settles in us and it settles us. So you might be already speaking to this a bit, but I'm going to ask in case there's anything else that comes up. When you ex are experiencing depletion or some kind of barrier to really connecting with your vitality and energy, what helps you shift in those moments? So a lot of things. I, um, I need a good listener. Um, and I have a, a, a few people that I can call on and just say, this, this is going on. Can you just listen deeply? 
and help me get through it um, or give me some, just some presence. Uh, I sometimes do art, sort of like a soul art type thing where it's revealing. I'll draw mandalas and then sort of talk to them. Um, I do soul collage, which is another training, but I, I do things that sort of speak to me and that can reveal things to me um, about where I am and what's going on or, you know, what's this barrier? Why, where am I? Um, I usually get time alone. I'm a pretty big alone person. So I need time alone just to sit with myself and just let come up what comes up. So I know what's going on. I do meditation and I do rituals, obviously, um, because all of those connect me. And I tend to lose myself. Uh, the barrier for me is I've lost myself somehow. Um, and so I need to find myself again. And sometimes it's because I'm pushing myself too hard or I'm too busy or I just haven't taken the time um, to see what's going on. Uh, so the barrier is usually me lost. So I just take these moments to sort of create openings so that I can be found and I can find myself. Yeah. And I'm really appreciating that because so often what I hear people say is that there's no time. There's no way to create that opening. And what I'm appreciating about what you're saying is that sometimes when we're lost, it's, it's, it's so important to create those openings, even if we feel like there's no time. Those openings can be tiny. They can be pinholes. They don't have to be gigantic. You can set a candle lit where you do the dishes. You can, and I mean, it doesn't have to be big. You can add in a simple child yoga pose, period, every morning when you get up. It, that will take 12 seconds. I mean, it doesn't have to be big things. You can put a rock in your pocket and try and remember when you feel it that you're, you need to remember your ground. That's it. You don't have to do a big exercise. You can just go, oh, my ground. These little signs out here that we put up, like I have a lots of little ones here right now that just kind of, oh yeah, the spirit is here or I need to be here or where is that opening? Oh yeah, I, I don't have to just do dishes. I don't have to just get up, do my routine, drink my coffee and go to work. I can also pause for 12 seconds and do the child pose. I can light a candle. I can carry a rock. I can touch a special picture in my house that reminds me, that's who I am. Oh, yeah. So it can be small openings. They don't have to be, you know, two hours in meditation. Unless you have that time, fine. But if you don't, create these little things that mean something to you. That's the opening. The opening isn't what I tell you. It's something that means something to you. Um, the blue candle in the lantern means something to me. So I'm going to use that. It may not mean anything to you. You may need a, a purple candle that's flat and has five wicks. I can, I can really relate. I was in a meditation workshop a few months ago where at the beginning of the workshop, every time we'd light a candle and at the end, we would blow it out together. And that candle, every time I, for example, do an interview for this podcast, I like the belonging. It's a, it was a belonging specific theme of meditation, right? That we're all connected in this fields of belonging. And that candle's lit. And I, it's lit and right I, now. Yeah. It's lit right now. Yeah. Uh huh. And that sent, and to just bring me back to the, the belonging, the connection. And it does. It's very empowerful. Talking about candles, when I preached a, a long time ago, I had young kids. And every time the kids were going through something big and I was anxious about it, I would light a candle. And I would just kind of try and put my anxiety on that candle. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So about we left the church and about 10 or 12 years later, this woman came up to me um, and she remembered the sermon. She goes, so do you still light candles for your kids? And I pulled out my phone and I showed her, I had a candle lit because my son was driving home from his senior trip at the beach. And that's anxiety provoking. 
And I had a candle lit on my phone. I go, it's right here. And she's like, oh my gosh. So it, it doesn't have to happen even if you can't get a candle, do it on your phone. It's, it's an opening. And I'm curious, again, you might have already t- spoke to this a bit, but is there a particular ritual or a particular rituals that maybe you do on a more regular basis? Lighting the candle might be one of those that you particularly love or find nourishing to, oh, to have those openings and connect you back with who you are and, and your energy source, your vitality, the source, source of energy, which could mean spirit, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to be real creative, so I don't have a lot of ones that I, that I do regularly unless there's something going on. At one point, this is that blue candle again. Uh, there was a person in my life, a friend of mine, that I could no longer be around, and we we could, we weren't going to remain friends for various reasons. And I was sitting on my porch, and this blue candle in this glass lantern was there. And for probably the next, I, I couldn't even tell you couple of months in order for me to sort of feel okay about her and about me. Um, I interacted with that candle as if it was her. So the blue candle was her and the glass lantern was sort of the place around her that was separating us and protecting her. So sometimes I would get close to the candle, sometimes distant. I would open the lantern a little bit and it, it allowed me to sort of be with that person. I was worried that she uh, wouldn't be safe and and maybe needed some protection or was having hard feelings. And so I could just kind of interact with her without being with her because I couldn't. But to bring some that full circle again, to bring some closure to that. So I did that off and on for a long time. And finally, one day, uh, I lit the candle and I have... I had a bunch of yarn next to me because I'm doing crafts, you know, and I just wrapped the entire thing in yarn. And all of a sudden I just went, she is safe. I am safe. We are both on our journeys in this sacred world, separate and yet still okay. And all of a sudden I knew she was okay. I was okay. We were each in our own element and protected. And I never revisited that again i revisited that blue candle but i never revisited that so sometimes it may not be the same ritual that i do but i have certain objects that are really uh, they really speak to me because just recently i was thinking of this podcast i'm like what do i need to say what's important what will help people so i was trying to do a ritual with this candle in there and i finally got mad and i was like there's nothing coming i give up i quit And so I took the candle out of there. I took everything out of everything. And all of a sudden, this emotion hit me and this feeling of, oh my gosh, it's it's empty. And there's some emptiness I'm dealing with right now with my mom being gone. and, And I haven't been writing as much recently. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh. And then I was okay. Once I I dusted out the inside of the lantern, I cleaned the windows in it and I left the candle outside because that's where I am. I'm just kind of in a season of loss. And that is also holy. And that came through that same candle in the lantern object. So sometimes it's just knowing what means something to you and how you interact with it that can bring some sacredness. Yes, how beautiful. So Jane, in your writing, is this something, have you always written or is this something new? I, um, I've always journaled and I've journaled about ritual for probably 10 or 12 years, never writing anything. I mean, writing, but never writing like a book. And then I had a friend who said, you really need to get that in writing. And then some of my family members said, this is really cool. You need to let other people know how to do this. And then My sister and I even said, why don't you share this? I did a special ritual with my mother's ashes with the family where we had red yarn and cut it. And um, she said, I have a friend who really needs that ritual. Can you share it? And I said, sure. And I thought, I do need to get this in writing. So I joined a group that was real supportive. And they helped me. I'm still working on it. I've got 
several chapters, if I want to call them that. So I'm not particularly a writer, but I've written um, in my journal and written about ritual forever and ever. And I just want people to know that it can be life-giving. One aspect, I mean, there's lots of ways to have that. But for me, ritual can be life-giving and it kind of comes in the back door sometimes. Like, like I didn't know that I, that lantern needed to be empty, that that's, oh, that's who I am. It kind of dropped me into myself and into the sacred. I wasn't like weeping uncontrollably. I was, oh, this is where I am. That, that's comforting. And I can be gentle with myself now, knowing that's where I am. Okay, I'm not riding droves and droves right now because there's a little bit of emptiness. Oh, okay. Oh, so don't push yourself right now. Yeah. So it kind of, it led me to that. Yeah. And, and is it true that as you see that empty lantern, there's almost a sacred space held for that emptiness? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm not alone. That, that, that's what the sacred does for me. I'm never alone. I've never been alone. I don't think in my whole life. I even remember like as a youngster looking up at the moon and feeling like, oh, she's with me. <laughs> I don't, maybe I'm a little weird. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just never alone when I, have, when I have the sacred with me. And it's in me too. Sometimes I can't always find it. But there's a special sacred place that we all have that we need to just accept. That's actually the word that's been running through my head as I hear you is this acceptance of what is as sacred. There is that there's such love there. Yeah, it's it helps me be gentle and kind with myself. And I'm not always that way. But when I see that everything's sacred, why am I, you know, why am I being mean to myself? You know, I I um I did a ritual with some w women from my second Gestalt experience. I went to um, another one called Physical Process, and we celebrated a birthday. And at the end, the uh, woman who invited us all, it was her birthday, said, would you do a little ritual? So we went outside and rubbed dirt on each other's and talked about sort of the dirt in our lives, because we'd done that all weekend, um, the dirt in our lives. And um, we got to the end, and we were each just came up with our own blessing of what we wanted to bless each other with. And um, she, this woman looked at me and she goes, I don't know what to say. I'm like, oh my God, she has no blessing for me. And then she looked at me and she said, you make all of our shit sacred. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, that's exactly what I believe. But I would have never had the words for that. That was her blessing. She rubs the dirt on me. She's gonna go. I thought, oh my gosh. That's what I want everybody to know. Your shit is sacred. You are sacred. And we think we got to get out of this feeling or I'm anxious, so I need to do some, something to get out of it or I'm feeling sad, so I've got to repair it. We don't. We have to be in it first and see the sacredness of it. It feels like hell sometimes, but just if there's a little sacred next to me, near me, if I can be near me and be with myself, it just makes it so much better. Because the shit's going to be there anyway, right? Exactly. Who doesn't have that? Yeah. yeah. Shit happens, right? Yes. yes. And that's what, that's what you bring through this ritual, right? Is to create the space with intention and presence. And, be, and going back to being with whatever is. And, and that ritual allows me to be with whatever is. And if I don't even know whatever is, whatever is here, it'll show me like the, the empty lantern showed me. But once I knew, I was like, oh, oh, this can be sacred too. I mean, a ritual, why would it not be sacred? Yes. And what could be judging, like judgmental or depleting, like the shit, right? Why I shouldn't have this. It shouldn't smell like this. Shouldn't look like this. Not, I shouldn't be so messy, blah, 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 the judgment, right? Which is so energy sucking, right? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And this allows that to be held and actually be life-giving, as you mentioned, right? Yes. Yes. I can be, I can find a little bit of presence in the discomfort. Instead of trying to get rid of the discomfort, it's there. 
And it doesn't have to be terrible. It can be uncomfortable, but at least if there's some presence there, you know, then there's some holiness there for me. Wow, beautiful. I'm just really appreciating what you're sharing. And I'm curious if you had suggestions, if somebody had come to you or is listening, who's never experienced, or maybe never is too strong of a word, but hasn't really found ritual in their life or space for ritual in their life, but might be curious. Do you have a recommendation of how to begin or how to integrate this as a first step? I would go around your house and or outside and pick up four or five objects that have meaning for you. You don't have to know why. You may pick up a candle. You may pick up a rock. You may pick up your child's toy or a blanket, a shawl. I don't know. But pick up four or five things. They don't, not according to anybody else, but you. They have to have meaning to you. So there's no judgment. It can be a pen. I mean, it can be something that doesn't seem to make sense to anybody, but to you. And pick up those five objects and place them somewhere on a table or a desk or something in a particular order that you like, close to each other, far from each other, and just let it sit there for a few days. And maybe go up and talk to one of the items or think, what does that mean to me? If you don't like to talk to items, Um, (laughs) you could write a a journal piece to the item, you know, if you want, if you want, if you're a writer, or you can interact with the item, but they're tangible things that you can interact with, with all your senses, like a candle, you can smell it, you can hear it, you can touch it, you can feel the warmth of it. I mean, so some kind of interaction, these are tangible objects that can help you understand the sacred sort of invisible world a little better. So have the altar, leave it there for a while, glance at it daily. And when you start feeling a need to move yourself or something, move it. Move something closer to something else. Take something off. Add something. Make it. Make these objects in a circle. Cover them. Put something underneath them, a cloth underneath them. All those things are significant. You don't have to know why exactly, because it's going to be your own interpretation, your own meaning that comes out, not what I tell you or anybody else tells you. And then just watch as it sort of take a few pictures, maybe the first day, 10th day, the 20th day, as you move these items around. And then there may come a moment when all of a sudden there's a a resonance. Oh, this is the configuration that seems to hit me. This candle sitting next to this cat with a rock beside it. Oh, and my cat's sick. Or I had a special cat as a child that was such a companion. I need a companion right now. So that there's, it doesn't have to be God language. It can be you language. But then this resonance hits where it's like, oh. And if it doesn't hit, then ask yourself some questions. Why do I like this frog? Why? What does this, is this candle lit or not? Is there anything lit or not in me? Because the objects, when I move an object, something moves in me. When I find meaning in an object, something makes meaning to me. So those objects have have ways of communicating. So that's just a, a simple way to begin, you know. And if you want a more simpler way, light a candle. And just sit with it for five minutes and see what comes up. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Gene, it is so nice to connect with you. And I'm wondering before we close for today, if there's anything, like any closing closing thoughts you might have that are coming up for you that you'd like to share. I want to say the blessing that I have in front of me that I always have at my desk to you. And I want people to be able to say these to themselves. I say this to myself. I read it to myself. Um, Because I think it's so important for us to bless ourselves, um, to bless one another, to know what that feels like. Um, Because we do enough being hard on ourselves. There's enough to be hard on ourselves about. 
but being kind. If you don't like the word blessing, be, be kind to yourself. Give yourself some gentleness. So there's this blessing that, if it's okay, I'd like to say to you. Um, it's a John O'Donohue one. It's from a long poem, but this is just the shortness of it. May you always trust the urgency and wisdom of your own spirit. Thank you. How beautiful. And that's what I wish for everyone to be able to say to themselves. May you, tr- may you trust the urgency, urgency and wisdom of your own spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you just want a simple way to start a ritual, say that to yourself every day. Thank you so much, Jane. Being with me and here, and for sharing the wisdom and presence that you do in such tremendous ways. Well, thank you for reaching out to me. And just, um, I followed you now on Facebook and just watched some of your posts. And I just, I just love your presence. It's just so genuine. And I think we really, really need that. Um, And I think it's hard to do in a video. And you do it well. So I just really am thankful for you reaching out to me and just for your presence in the world and what you're doing now. It's needed. Thank you. And I would be so interested in if you want to share your writing or if there's something that you publish at some point, I would love to learn more. That's my plan. Hopefully next year, um, I will let you know. My plan is to get a book out that I hate to say that out loud because that means I have to do it. <laughs> and I An don't quite have That's right. But I, that's my plan. So yeah, I would, I'll keep in contact. Oh, I'd love it. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank Big you. hug to you. So hug much appreciation. Mm. Mm, love you. You too. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening today. Subscribe to not miss another episode. And please share this podcast with a friend you think might benefit. I'd love to remind as many people as possible that they too can have the peace, calm, and rejuvenation that a little self-love and care can bring. And lastly, I'd love if you would leave me a review and let me know how I'm doing. See you next week.